Life Audio. The Bible Study Podcast, episode 843. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues a study of the book of Psalms with Psalm 106. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're going to go back into our doing these psalms in the correct order, unlike last week's episode where we had to fill in something that we that I screwed up. I was going to say we screwed up. You did fine. It was me. And we're going to do with Psalm 106, and this is a longer psalm. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Did you know that the Salvation Army not only provides services to those in need, but we also produce a network of Christian podcasts you can listen to on your favorite podcast store? One of these shows, Words of Life, is a 15-minute weekly show featuring interviews, testimonies, Bible studies, and more. In April, we'll once again hear from author and pastor Natalie Runyon. She has created a new six-week discipleship course for women to talk about community, women in leadership, accountability, and more. We want discipleship to be what's drawing people, not bounce houses. They're more likely to come back and not just to be entertained. Even in me, you know, making him have to pry it from my hands, he was still saying, but I have something better. It was because of the redeemed saying so, of telling the story of what God had done. When we point people to him, they're going to want to know him. Listen to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit wordsoflifepodcast.org. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Psalm 106. Psalm 106 is a longer song. As I said, it is it is 48 verses long, and so I'm not going to read the whole thing in its entirety. We're going to do it piecemeal as I do sometimes. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let me just pause right there on the first verse. I'm recording this a week before you're hearing it, and it is Thanksgiving is coming up here for me. It is probably in the past by the time you were hearing this, but it is good for us to remember to praise God. It is good for us to remember to thank God. It is good for us to remember on Thanksgiving, but not just on Thanksgiving, because God is good and his love endures forever, that God has showered his love on us, especially in the person of Jesus who came to save us. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. It just seems to keep coming back to doing the right thing and acting justly here in Psalms. When we talk about a relationship with God, it's not just what we believe that the psalmists are saying is important. It's what we do and how we behave and how we act and how we treat those people around us. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. 
So the psalmist is hoping to be remembered as one of those people who God favors, the people of God. Remember me when you show favor. Come to my aid when you save them. So the psalmist understands that this people need saving and that God will come to save them and prays that he will be included in that to enjoy the prosperity, to enjoy the blessings that God will give and the joy that will happen when God does come and save his people. We have sinned, even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty name known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. So the psalmist is saying we have sinned just like our ancestors, just like the people of Israel in the time of the Exodus, and recounts that even though they were in Egypt and they didn't know God, they didn't account for his miracles, even though they were not necessarily faithful or the most faithful people to him, he saved them at the time of the Red Sea. He saved them because he's God. He saved them for his name's sake. He saved them not because they were the best nation, but because he made his power known through saving this weak nation, this nation that's not a nation yet, and he saved them through the Red Sea by drying it up so that they could walk through and the waters covering the Egyptians. And then, after he did that, they believed and sang his praise. But it continues, But they soon forgot what he had done, and they did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. And so it's talking about one of those many times where the people are saying, why did you bring us into the desert to die? Why did you bring us here so that we could, you know, weren't there enough graves in Egypt where they forgot that they were following a powerful God, even though they were literally following a pillar of fire by day and a pillar of cloud by night, even though he had literally brought them through the Red Sea and drowned their enemies, they soon forgot, is what the psalmist said, what he had done. And so they cry out in their craving. They're craving for for bread. They get manna. They're craving for food. And they get uh, the quails that lay on the land. And yet, even though God gives them this, he also gives them punishment. This wasting disease that the psalmist talks about because they were unfaithful to him, because they forgot who he was. And it continues, In the camp they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It buried the company of Abriam. Fire blazed among their followers. A flame consumed the wicked. At Horeb they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from metal. They exchanged their glorious God for an image of a bull which eats grass. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. So he said he would destroy them. 
had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. And so we're talking about that time period at the Mount Sinai where Moses goes up and he is detained by God as he's writing down on stone the the Ten Commandments to bring them down and getting all the laws and learning how to make the tabernacle and all those things. And he's up there for a while. By the time he comes down, they've made a golden calf and they're starting to worship another god. It's like, are you kidding me? So fast. Within a year of being saved through the Red Sea, they're already breaking the covenant that God has made with them. That God is in the process of making with them. And so it says, talks about the leaders who were swallowed up by the ground, the fire that blazed. But it talks about, I thought the interesting part here is at Horeb they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from metal. Now we've talked about this in many other episodes, how the prophets talk about people who've exchanged the one true God for this image. And here the psalmist says, for an image cast from metal and exchanged the glorious God from an image of a bull, which eats grass. It's, it's just the, I love the irony dripping from this. It's like, seriously, are you kidding me? You exchange this for that. Not even just an image of, you know, trying to pretend that this is the God who saved us from the Red Sea, which it isn't. It is made of metal. It isn't a God at all. But also, it's just a, it's a picture of a bull. Even if it was a real bull, it just eats grass. It doesn't do miracles. And just the, the irony dripping from this thing. It's like, how can you do this? How can you exchange this for that? And so it talks about that time period where God said, I'm going to wipe them out. And Moses stood in between. Moses interceded and said, no, the word will get out that you did this. What would that say about you? Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and they did not obey the Lord. He swore to them with uplifted hand that he would make them fall in the wilderness, make their descendants fall among the nations and scatter them throughout the lands. So what we're remembering here is with that time period when they come to the promised land, they despise the pleasant land. They despise that land filled with milk and honey. They said the people there are giants. How could we possibly go in? And just a few of them, Joshua and Caleb said, it doesn't matter how big they are. It matters if God is with us. But the rest of them grumbled in their tents. They did not obey God. And so God says, this generation will die in the wilderness. He will make them fall in the wilderness, make their descendants fall among the nations and scatter them throughout the lands. Then it says, they yoked themselves to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. They aroused the Lord's anger by their wicked deeds, and a plague broke out among them. But Pinas stood up and intervened, and the plague was checked. This was credited to him as righteousness for endless generations to come. By the waters of Meribah they angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them, for they rebelled against the Spirit of God, and rash words came from Moses' lips. And so we're remembering a couple different things here. One, the worshiping of Baals. This is the Canaanite gods and eating sacrifices to life like us gods, which keeps happening again and again. And this particular incident is when they are meeting the Boabites and the, and the Midianites, and they tempted the Israels to intermarry and then to worship their gods and the gods Baal Peor. And 
Phineas was one of the priests who remained faithful to God and executed an Israel man and a Midianite woman who were together in the man's tent. Remember, they've been told that they should not intermarry. They've been told that the reason they shouldn't intermarry would take their hearts from God. They do, and it does. And and Phineas stands up for God and against this latest sin by the people of Israel. They did not destroy the peoples as God commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. They worshiped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood and the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was desecrated by their blood. They defied themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. And so when they do get into the promised land, they're told to destroy whole nations because the sin of those nations has become such a stench in the nostrils of God. That's literally what it says. And because one of the things that they do is they practice child sacrifice. And so when it says they became snared to those people who they left around and they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods, the psalmist means this quite literally, that they get involved in child sacrifice. And because of that, the land is desecrated by their blood. Because of what they have done, they're defiling themselves because they have prostituted themselves. They have become involved with false gods and they're reaping the penalty of it. Therefore, the Lord was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. He gave them into the hands of the nations and their foes ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and subjected them to their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion and they wasted away in their sin. Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant, and out of his great love he relented. He caused all who held them captive to show them mercy. And so we're dealing with large swaths of time here, and with the story of God and his people. When it talks about he, he was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance, well, is he talking about the time that it happened over and over again in the book of Judges? Is he talking about the time that it happened with Babylon? Is he talking about the time that it happens with the children of Israel and the Assyrians? He's talking about all of those things. It keeps happening again and again. He gave them in the hands of nations, their foes ruled over them, and then many times he delivered them. So this keeps happening. They're bent on rebellion. He takes note of their distress. They remembered his covenant and then he relented and caused them to be shown mercy. This is a pattern of behavior that they have continued to show, the psalmist says. Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. And so with all these things that the psalmist is remembering and recalling to the people and all of the sin that they have done, he again turns to God and says, save us. Gather us again that we can give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Give us one more chance. And then praise and let the people say amen. God tried very hard with the people of Israel. God still cares and loves for the people of Israel today, not solely. 
but the Old Testament experience with the people of Israel and God was trying. And God sent many, many prophets to deal with this rebellious nature that they had, this fact that they kept going away to other gods. We ourselves are not always faithful. We do not always do the right things. We know that the sum of the law, to love God and to love our neighbor, is not something we act out every day. And so we say, save us, our God, and gather us, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. And let all God's people say, Amen. And with that, we're going to end this episode, this longer episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry. Your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.